This podcast would like to acknowledge that whilst we come together today in an online setting from all over Australia, our feet are firmly planted on the beautiful Aboriginal land that unites us, with thanks to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, both past, present and emerging. Welcome to episode number 11 on the MindFit podcast, celebrating double digits. I'm your host, Blaze Grinner, joined by a young man, 23 years of age today, Mr. Kieran Whitehead. This man is a professional athlete who was earmarked to box for Australia in the Olympics. He is a small business owner, and the topic of discussion today is navigating work-life balance. This young man has been on a spiritual path, a personal development path, so do not let his years fill you. He is very wise, and I know that we are all going to level up in this discussion. Let's get straight into it. Yo, we here are live with Mr. Kieran Whitehead. Dude, young blood, so good to have you on here. You and that caterpillar on your lip, the Movember, holy Thank bro, you, when I was your Thank age, you, I couldn't grow up like that. Trying my best. <laughs> you know, 23 years of work right here. So. <laughs> Mate, it's um, oh, wow. so good to have you here, man, and uh, really excited. Uh, I've known you now maybe four years? Was it four years? Oh, yeah, four, four years. Four years, now. man, and just see... Where you've gone at such a young man at 23 years of age of what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, what you've faced off with, what you've uh, now doing. Um, but I know all of that. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to all of our listeners about who you are, man, what you stand for. And um, yeah, give everyone a, a, like a little bit of a rundown of, um, yeah, man, what got you right here, right now. Cool. Uh, so my name is Piram Whitehead for the last decade i've been a boxer so starting in the amateur scene i had 42 amateur fights and then eventually stepped into the professional scene uh where i had two professional fights as well you know fighting at state national level overseas stuff like that um so somewhat credited in that yes, sense sir. um but this year actually has been the first year that i haven't competed in about nine years and reason being that i've actually just recently Purchased the business, the gym that I work at, and so that's pretty much taking up all my time now. Um, but, you know, like we're here to discuss today, finding that work-life balance has been a really key part of business ownership as well. Um, and, you know, in the four years that you've known me, just the amount of progression that I've seen within myself that I'm sure you can agree with as well, not only within work and business, but, you know, my personal life, understanding my values and where I want to go and the direction that I want my life to go as well has been a massive part in the last four years. Yeah, man. Let's let's keep talking about that, man, that bit of a, um, for a better word, a wayward path. Because when, when we met, man, I remember your mum reached out to me and she's like, hey, my son's just yeah. an amazing dude and I just, he's just getting a bit wayward. And you're at that age, but I remember when I was that age, what I was doing, um, and just to see at the age of twenty three, you own your own gym, um, and you're running your own business. It's really incredible, bro. But there was a wayward past, man. And you were just talking about values and that kind of stuff. Um, would you like to share a bit of the a bit of the the wayward past that you you've had or what you succumbed to and what you were dealing with? Yeah, of course. So. You know, like most people nowadays, we all have our traumas that we have to deal with growing up. And I think for me, I had a um, abandonment trauma that for me led to me clinging to people that I knew weren't necessarily great for me. And this ended up leading to me getting caught up in 
I guess, the wrong crowds at the time. Not necessarily saying that they were bad people. Some of them were. But it's just the things that they were doing in all their spare time just didn't align with my values. And, you know, back four years, five years ago, I didn't even know what my values were, which kind of played a part in why I was ending up in these groups because I didn't even know what I wanted. And then, you know, four years ago when my mum reached out to you, which I got to say was actually without me knowing (laughs) because, um, you know, at the time I was just being super rebellious and super difficult as a, uh, as a son. And so if they actually told me, I would have been so against it. So it was um, something that I sort of went into the Blokes Venture three-day retreat with a very closed mind in that sort of sense. Um, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were on day two of the retreat, on a day one of the retreat, the Warrior Energy. And we were doing that 10-kilometer hike. And you and I were actually talking. I was asking you about your psilocybin journeys and stuff like that because, you know, at the time, <laughs> you know, I was um, quite into all my psychedelics and stuff like that. And you actually mentioned to me, did you know that you can actually have a journey without taking any of that stuff? And I just looked at you. I was like, there's no way. There's no <laughs> way. And he's like, wait till tomorrow. Just, just see what happens tomorrow. And then, you know, tomorrow came around and we did breath work, which I had – never even heard of, never even done in my life. And my first ever experience, I actually had a journey where I got to sit at a table with my grandfather who passed away several years prior to it and play a game of cards with him, um, which was something that we always did growing up. And it was awesome because I just got to have that final conversation with him and you know say goodbye in that sort of sense, which was really powerful. And I think after, pretty much after that, I just told myself, what if, what if all this stuff's real? Why don't, why don't I actually devote a bit more of my life to this and see where it can take me? And going down that path pretty much led to me having a better understanding of myself and the standards that I should hold myself to. And in doing that, it pretty much meant that I had to cut off almost everyone out of my life, um, which is okay. Yep. Because you know that's not who I am anymore. Yeah, man. So, and. Thank you so much for being so raw and vulnerable and honest, man. Um, and it's interesting because we look at like work-life balance. And so pretty much everyone understands what work is. But then like trying to figure out what life is about, I think that's where we can sort of get tripped up. And I know from my experience when I was like uh, teenagers and up until like the age of 27, man, it was work and then life was party. It was like work hard, play hard. And so the the work-life balance was like earn as much money as I can just to be a baller, to like go out and just like have big parties. And that was life, man. There was no other aspect to to, to life itself. Um, the other thing, though, is like you had this anchor of boxing, man. So you um, sort of had a purpose as well. So like your your life was like, yep, I dare say you would have been working um, here and there. But then majority of your life, you did have a purpose or a vision. Um, was that uh, was it hard to juggle uh, navigating like working as a young man, the party scene, party life, plus also in your circle, you're a professional athlete. You're like a professional boxer. Was that challenging at all to be around a crowd that wasn't that? Oh, 100%. You know, uh, you have these crowds you'd surround yourself with that weren't at the same caliber that you were. And to them, life is the party scene. And to you, life is training. And they don't, they don't quite understand that. 
And then it's like the weekend comes around. It's like, let's go out. Let's, you know, get on the piss and do whatever. And then there's so much persuasion from your circle uh, to get you in that because that's what they consider life. And it's actually become a hindrance on you in that sort of aspect. Yeah, 100%, man. And there is so much persuasion, especially as a young man. As, as a young man, like yeah. chasing chicks, parties, all that kind of stuff, it, it seems so alluring to, to go to do that. And something you just said then, uh, man, and I'm really proud of you that you said it, is they weren't at my caliber. Now, you saying that is beautiful because I know you're a very confident young man. You've built this body that can hold that conversation like that. But I also know that some people wouldn't even be confident enough to say that, that the people I'm surrounding myself with aren't at my caliber. And I think that um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I definitely know what was for me is it was the moment that I started to take, take control of my life and understand like, hey, man, I'm in charge of this. And like the, the where I want to be going in life, I need to be surrounded by people with the same sort of vision. Otherwise, I'm just going to have all this like opportunity and persuasion just going to keep coming again and again and again. Was that similar for you as well, bro? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I also found, you know, towards the end of all of my friendships, I found that all my friends would only ever talk about my past self. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, remember, you used to always do this. You used to come out with this. You used to do this. And for me, that's just not who I am because I'm always constantly trying to progress and evolve who I am every day. So to say, hey, you used to be this person, it's like that's not who I am anymore. And to cling on to that person essentially – holds me to be that person as well. So it actually stopped me from elevating who I am. Yeah, man. The, when I let go of my childhood mates, and we were like, it was at a later stage in my life, I was like 27, um, the, they used to say, you've changed. You've changed, man. And I used to take that to heart so bad. Like, oh, I don't want it to change. I want to stay here. This is going to be amazing. Um, and, and it really affected me because I didn't have the emotional intelligence to realize that we are supposed to grow and evolve and aspire. And so, uh, yeah, man, very, very similar. Um, what does what does work-life balance, what does that mean to you as a young man, as a business owner, as a professional athlete? Well, I feel like you know, it's, uh, it's really interesting for me because, you know, I don't drink, I don't go out, I don't really do any of that. So for me, life is just the time that I have to myself, which usually is spent in the gym training anyways. So it's like my whole... My whole work life is in gyms. So it's for me, it's like my work pretty much is my life and my life pretty much is my work anyways. So it all, it all kind of works into one in that sort of mm-hmm. sense, which has been really Yeah, helpful. man. And I think that's the, I think for all humans, it doesn't matter what age we are, if we can find the thing that it is that lights our soul on fire, that we enjoy so much, and we get to do that for a living and make a living, I think we've won the game. Um, and then it's like people say like, Absolutely. oh, like, uh, like that means that you're never going to work a day in your life. Now, a trap that I got caught in was like, I was a tradie in construction for 12 years, found men's work, became a coach and like, fuck, this is amazing. I found this thing of being of service, giving back. Um, I don't have to work. A, I'm not working a day in my life. But the thing was, I was devoting my life to it. Like it was like everything it was all or nothing in service. So I actually, for the first couple of years of coaching, I wasn't taking holidays. I wasn't actually taking a break. And then next thing, two years in, I burn out. I was on the couch for 11 days and I got bloods and everything done. There was nothing wrong with me, like uh, scientifically, but I was just so fucked, man, like just burnt out. And that was a really interesting um, realization that 
um, that I didn't have any work-life balance. It was all go. Um, did you, have you experienced that as well, bro? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think uh, around midway this year, I got sick for about two weeks, and it just knocked me down. And you know, that's when I just sort of looked at myself. Okay, I need at least take a weekend off or just some time off because I was working seven days a week for about four months straight, and it was just too much. Yeah, man. And so with that, that with that too much, um, what were what were the negative effects? Like, yes, you're growing your business for four months, you're, you're doing the thing, but what were the negative effects of you working seven days a week? What, who was impacted? What was impacted? Um, well, you know, for me personally, my training is a very important thing. I would actually put that above work itself just because, you know, that's the person that I am. And for me, physical health relates to, you know, better health in general, which can relate to better life. So for me, I always try to put that first, but I always find that with, um, with work, I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. Uh, so I found that a skill that I really had to learn was when things don't go to plan, being okay with yeah. it. So for example, I would set up a really good schedule with good work-life balance where I'd work in the morning, gym, spend some time to doing whatever, and then chill out. And sometimes that just wouldn't happen. Sometimes it'd be work, 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 and then you just got to be okay with that and then make it up on another. Yeah, that flexibility, man, being flexible. Yeah. Uh, I know that when we were working together, man, and this is at the height of like your uh, earmarked to go to the Com Games for Australia in the, uh, in the Commonwealth Games, um, yeah, for the Australian boxing team, and you were just training so hard, man. There's just so much dedication. And it got to a point that everything just felt like it was a chore. Like there was no, the, the love, like, yes, you were driven, but it was just like, you're like a robot, man. And there was some couple of little things that you started to do, man. Can you remember what they were to, to get back the, the, the love of life again? I think one of them was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was writing up like a list of things that bring me joy yeah. and then trying to do as many of them in one day. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember like texting you, like, hey, man, what are you up to? Oh, bro, I've got my skateboard. I'm, I'm going for a skate. And then you're just doing all of these little things that don't seem like much, but um, as young, as, like as men that are driven on purpose, that sometimes we leave on the wayside. And I'm pretty sure when I asked you, it was like, um, if you go back to when you were 12 years old, what were some things that you loved doing then? And it was like shooting hoops, skateboarding, that kind of stuff. Like, cool, well, let's start doing that again, man, and see if that, that love for life comes back into play. Um, yeah, how was that process of like going back into like that awe and wonderment of, of that young boy that had like no – there's not, nothing – you know when you're in like primary school, man, like there's like it's everything's yeah. about play no and worries in life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, how was it to go back into that yeah. psyche, man? Oh, it was it was really awesome. Like like you said, when when I got the skateboard out and I was messaging you about that, it's just I felt like a little kid again. Yep. You know, you actually forget about all of your responsibilities and you just become so present in the moment because you're just so full of joy. And it's so, it's such a nice way to just bring you back into the present moment so you can actually focus on what's ahead rather than being stuck in the future or the past. So yeah, yeah man. I know for me, man, I uh I got really serious. Uh, there was a moment for like many years, just like really just working super hard. And it wasn't until I became a father that I realized how serious I'd become. And I'd actually 
stop being a little kid and stop having like fun and just like this stopping and smelling the roses per se. And so fatherhood, I know for me, was one of those uh, moments that allowed me to really start to look at how how I was leading my life and living my life. Um, and yeah, like having that play was like a, a big component that was missing. And I see that for so many men, uh, so many fathers, so many hardworking men um, that they dedicate their whole life to to work and their family, but they forget about themselves. Um, and what you've just said, man, it was super important. And I feel it's um, uh, really valuable that you said health comes before everything. There's a really big lesson within myself, within my journey is um, I put everything before me, everything. And then I had this really big awakening around I have to have my health and my spirituality before before my wife, before my kids, before my purpose, before everything. Because if I don't, like I don't have like what what the, I'm not complete. Like I'm, I'm coming from a place of I'm empty because I need to have my health to navigate all of that stuff, and I need to have my faith as my priority, as my anchor. Um, so the um, with the, with being a, a business owner and and a professional athlete, being in a relationship. What's been the biggest challenges um, that you've seen uh, about not having a work-life balance? So you um, mentioned around perfectionism. Um, is there anything else, that you, any other challenges that are stopping you or hindering you uh, from having work-life balance? Um, I think initially going into it, it was very much just do stuff and there was no real structure to it and that really threw me out because then I just got presented with so many options that we just became overwhelmed. You know, too many options, you just don't pick any. And I think moving forward from that, something that's really helped me with the work-life balance is having that structure, yeah. you know, having to-do lists every single day, structuring out, doing your pockets of time, stuff like that. <laughs> just having the day set out, but then going back to the perfectionism that understanding sometimes this pocket of time isn't going to be just this long or this short and it can adjust and then just being okay. With yeah. That. And so why I'm smirking is that uh, pockets of time is something that I, I got taught by my psychologist um, back maybe seven years ago, uh, Dr. Paul McCormack. And, and pockets of time is um, there is 96 pockets of time in a day. If you break the day in the night, uh, 15 minute intervals. And so one pocket of time is 15 minutes. And so what he taught me was like majority of us work eight hours, which is 32 pockets of time. Majority of us sleep for eight hours. That's 32 pockets of time. Then we have 32 pockets of time uh, in a day to spend how we desire. Uh, and so, yeah, starting to navigate. And when he taught me that, that's when I'm like, oh, man, I can actually start designing my life. And I think that what you just said, man, is a really big thing to have work-life balance is we need some fucking structure. Like we need like some parameters and boundaries. Otherwise, we're just making it up as we go. And then I know so many men that I work with, they're really busy, but they're unproductive. Like at the end of the day, they've done a hundred things, but not one thing pertaining to where they want to be going in life because they don't have that structure. Um, and for me as a business owner, the look, my whiteboards are here and it's been conditioned into me to be counterintuitive that me sitting and scheduling my week and the days and I'm not really it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything per se whereas I've been conditioned to like go 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 work do 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 and that organization thing especially in construction because I had engineers doing all that kind of stuff that someone would already schedule my thing so I just 
I, I was already in that like go go mode, not the organizing mode. But then, yeah, realizing that man, if I don't have that organization and structure, that yeah, it's going to be chaos. And there, I don't like labels, but I would say, especially looking into uh, uh, our youngest boy, we're looking into he's a very high energy. And so we don't want to label ADHD, but as we've been talking to like holistic doctors and OTs and stuff like that and going through that condition, which is ADHD, I've ticked every fucking box, <laughs> every box. My wife and I were just laughing and it's just like, man, um, because I know that if I don't have my structure done for the week, I will jump on tangents and tangents and it like it happened in real time. I'm like, cool, I need to do this thing for work. I didn't have my structure for the week. Four hours later, I'd done eight tasks that didn't need to be done for like three weeks. But that thing that I wanted to do, I didn't fucking do it. It never got done, so man. Done. And I just didn't have that structure to rely on. And so that masculine structure, I believe, brings the feminine flow or um, yeah, the flow state that, we're, that we really desire. Um, one of the biggest challenges I've felt uh, with work-life balance um, is the... I was a people pleaser um, and so I would go to work and this is before I even had kids. So I would go to work and then I'd always be racing straight home to see my partner um, just to be there with her, uh, to like look out the house, do all, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things was like I didn't choose myself. Like I didn't choose to take time out for myself um, because, yeah, I felt I literally felt guilty to do so. Have you experienced any of that, bro? Um, yeah, like when my partner and I used to be together, um, definitely for sure. Because, you know, there'd be times where I'd be gone at 5 a.m. and I wouldn't get back till 7 p.m. And meanwhile, she's just there all day. And, you know, for me, going from a job where it's very minimal hours and I can spend, you know, almost all my free time with her to very minimal time, it um, can be a hindrance in that sort of sense. Yeah, man. The, um, then becoming a father... That just took that that people sort of pleaser to the whole nother level, which then introduced this thing called fatherhood guilt. That I felt guilty that my wife was looking after the kids while I was either going for the surf or going to the gym or doing something for myself after the work hours. And I've just had this conditioning that I, I had to be there to help out. Uh, and what that did, one, there was no work-life balance. It was just, there was no balance. I was just go, go, go grinding and I was burning out. And then through that burnout, I would build up resentment towards her. But ultimately, it was actually should have been towards myself because it was me ultimately not, not choosing myself to take time out for myself. Um, I know that you're not a father and I know that you would be an amazing father when you choose to become a dad. But looking um, back in your childhood, how was the work-life balance from your dad? Did he have work-life balance, do you think? Um, you know, looking back, there was definitely moments where he was there, you know, playing so many sports growing up every weekend he would be there. But you know, my dad also travelled a lot for work, so he'd be gone for you know, a week at a time here and there. But he also had the flexibility of working from home, yeah. so it gave him a lot of freedom to still be highly in my life you know taking me to footy training being involved within my sports and everything like that and then you know for that week that he was away it was just kind of like absence of masculinity because it was just me and my mum and you know being 
being at 12 years old, it's like you didn't understand the roles of masculinity and femininity. So it was kind of almost like you were just stuck in limbo where it was just nothing really happening. Yeah, man. I totally can resonate with that 100%. I know a lot of listeners could resonate with that. So knowing that and how that felt as a young, as a young teenager of like, like not having your dad there, when you become a dad, what what do you think you're going to do do different around this work life balance and and raising uh, raising your children? Well, you know, I would hope that by the time that you know I am going to go into fatherhood, that I would be in a position where I can actually devote a lot more time to things other than work. Um, I'd be in a stable position where I can actually structure my life more around how I how I'd like it to be rather than how it has to be right now, if that sort of makes sense. 100%. Um, and then in that sense, it is, it'd be allocating those times where I can actually spend time with my children and with my partner as well. Um, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of times where families will get together, which is great, but there's never that or not much of that one-on-one time with parent and child. Yeah. So being able to allocate time for that, but then also if you're a partner as well, I feel like it's super important. Yeah, 100%, man. That, that, that's really important too, man. I think that um, for people in relationships, uh, especially with kids, is to have the work-life balances. There needs to be solo time for the man uh, or the individual. There needs to be time allocated for the family. There needs to be time allocated for the relationship. Uh, there needs to be like solo time one-on-one for the children. And then uh, tying in work and our hobbies in between there. It's a fucking juggling act and it, it can happen. It's uh, We just really need to own our priorities and know our values, what we stand for. Um, and I know there's going to be some listeners right now because we're both business owners and they're going to be thinking like, well, it's really easy for you because you guys own your own business um, and you get to dictate your hours. And so I really want to challenge the people um, that think like that because that it's coming from a place of a conditioning. Um, and so I want to really open up and have a discussion around this. So no one has ever said that we have to work five days a week. Not like there's not a gun to our head saying that, but we live in a society where that's just the, the norm. Um, and I see that so many men, when they first come to like working with me uh, and they say they want their more time with the kids and I, I just, man, I work so long hours. I just wish that I could drop the kids to school one day a week. Have you asked your boss for that, bro? Have you actually said, hey, every Wednesday, I'm going to be, rather than being there at seven, I'm going to be there at eight because I'm going to drop my kids to school. No, man, because he's just going to say no. How do you know if he's going to say no? Have you actually tried and actually had that conversation? And I see so many people don't ask for what they need because they're already assuming the answer is going to be no. Now, um, yes, there is going to be times that you're going to be met with a no, but what I've learned is no and O just means next opportunity. And so, the, yeah, I think what you've just said, man, is like there's a needs to be a really big ownership piece of all of us as an individual to actually go, you know what, everything that happens to me is my responsibility. Everything that happens to me is my fault. So the job that I'm in, I chose to be here. The hours that I work, I'm, that's on me. Um, and th- that... If you're in a position that you don't like, you have the ability to change. That 
that you had that ability to to ask what it is that you need. And if it's not going to be from that boss, that employer, to to look at different avenues of ways that you can buy back time. Now, I think time is, I, I call time a commodity, which is interesting because there's like we're trying to buy it and we're very vigilant of like how we spend it. Um, and everyone's trying to buy back more time. And that was something that I sat with with my wife, uh, my wife now, my now wife, who was my partner. And I was in construction. I was like, man, we want to have kids. And it's just like, I was looking at the work, the hours I was doing. It was like 14 to 15 hours, Monday to Friday, and then uh, probably eight to 10 hours on a Saturday. I was like, man, my, I'm, I'm going to be going at dark, coming home at dark. I'm never going to see my kids. Um, and like, this isn't the life that I really want. And so, yeah, mapped out, like, what does my ideal day look like? How does that work? How does that look? Uh, what's important to me? Um, and then, yeah, and like you, man, was having time, one-on-one connection with my kids was more important to me than money. It was more important to me than being at work. Um, and uh, the way I was able to navigate all that is something you said right at the start of this podcast is my values. I think that people that are struggling with work-life balance and not asking for what they need, that really the big place to start is to go inwards and really have that platform foundation of like, hey, lock in your values, know what they are, know what you stand for, because from that place, that's your moral compass. This is where you get to go go ask for what it is that you need. Um, how did, is there, did you notice any difference between being an employee to being a business owner and uh, juggling work-life balance? Yeah, 100%. You know, when you're an employee, you have a much more structured routine in the sense where it's you have to go in at this time, you leave at this time, and then you've got the rest of your day free. You know, as a business owner, I'm sure you can relate, boys, but that just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's like you go in, you're supposed to leave at this time, you don't leave at this time, you leave, you come back, you go, you come back, and it's, it just happens like that. And, you know, as as an employee, you know, having that structure where it's just like, okay, I'm going to go in, do three hours, then leave, and then you can plan the rest of your day and just have everything in cement. Whereas as a business owner, you're kind of working a little bit more with, like, clay or any other, like, softer ground, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, uh, you know, everything's pretty much could just change in an instant. Um but yeah, and you know, a lot more responsibilities as a business owner, as I'm sure you know, you know, all of your back end stuff that you have to work with for the business itself, it does take up a lot more of your time as well. And you know, me personally, I also did become a bit of a people pleaser, such same as you, um, more or less when I actually came into the role of business ownership, you know, always trying to please all of my clients and my members to do what they wanted, which was actually a hindrance on the business itself, which, you know, as an employee, you just don't get that because, you know, you just rock up, you do your hours, you get your pay slip, and then <laughs> you leave. Yeah, man. So, the, the, um, there's something that I've learned over the past several years in business is I was making decisions emotionally. And so it was that people please of like, oh, how is this person going to feel if I make this decision? And a lot of it was pertaining to money and cash flow and that kind of stuff. And I really need to look at business is black and white and there's numbers. And so sometimes we need to remove that emotion from it. Um, and to and and there's like, yeah, it's been really there's been some stuff, tough decisions I've had to make managing a team. Um, and yeah, that was one of my things that I had to learn, man. It was like uh, making decisions out of like logic. 
um, and not just like emotional decisions as well. So really looking into that. Um, why do you think that um, that many men um, like to work so much? Do, do, or, uh, for, well, yeah. I feel like I feel like as men, we're just very purpose driven people. You know, I read this book that was called The Way of the Superior Man. Amazing book. Highly recommend it if you know any of the listeners haven't read it, go read it. But in there it talks about, you know, men and women's masculinity and femininity and pretty much their purposes in life. You know, femininity is more around your family and your support and your loving, whereas your masculinity energy is all about purpose and drive. So for us as men, we sometimes get lost in our purpose and think our purpose is purely work. Yeah. When, you know, you've got fatherhood, you've got adulthood, you've got a life to live and people sometimes mix up their purpose within that. 100% man. And I know that um, I've been lost in that. I can see so many men get lost in that because there's so much internal fulfillment when we find that thing that we deeply desire you with your gym me with men's work and all these other people that are doing what it is that they love that they there's this inner fulfillment this uh, gratification that comes with doing business or, uh, or or living our purpose and like you said man we need to really look at that purpose isn't just that one avenue um that there is like our purpose is within us as well and so fatherhood isn't your purpose. Your relationship isn't your purpose. Your work isn't your purpose. Individually, they, they culminate, uh, culminate um, in, in, in one, one big sphere. Um, the, um, the other thing too, man, is um, the, that I found with myself too is, especially being a family man, actually not just being a family man, it, it was always been there um, in all of my relationships, but providing financially and so like work hard and then I could provide and, and pay for things for my partners as well. Um, and so there was this, this, this worker mentality of like the more that I do, the more that I have, the more that I have, the more successful I will be. So I had to keep go, 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 do, 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 and then I would be successful. And it was a fucking trap. It was a trap because that meant that in this moment, I was never successful. That I had to keep going and going and going in order to be successful. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I feel like you know, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I already had three years um, worth of working on myself before I went into men's work. So, for me, it was like you know, when I got presented with those opportunities of, okay, let's just work to get the goal. It's like I already knew within myself that that wasn't the purpose. You know, it wasn't all about how much money I have in the bank or what car I drive or anything like that because I knew within myself that didn't align with my values. Yeah. So very fortunate in the sense that I already had this understanding so I didn't fall into the similar trap that, you know, you and many other men did. Yeah, man, 100%. Because, yeah, that was that, um, that's what I thought success was. Yep, go get the house, get married, get the car, and then you'll be successful. Go, go, and do and what I've come to realize, and I know that this is what you're alluding to, is that it's not the thing that we desire in life. It is the, is the feeling that that thing gives us. So it's okay to want to have heaps of money. It's okay to want to have a flash car. It's okay to want a house and, and go towards that. But knowing that those things 
aren't the things that are going to give us happiness or security or safety. We do that for ourselves. And that when we as an individual can vibrationally and build that body to be able to hold that thing, to hold safety, to hold security, to hold confidence, um, that's when the everything else gets to match up. Because if we don't, then you can have the big flash house, the mansion, the jet skis, the boats, go on all these holidays, heaps of money in the bank, but still feeling hollow, still feeling like, hey, man, like there's something missing. Um, and then this is what we call the inside-out game because all of those things are external, but you're feeling hollow inside. And so, yeah, going inward first and then reflecting outwards. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about, man. Um, bit of a interesting question. I want to shout out um, Matty, our community manager who's behind the scenes right now. He came up with this one. I think it's like a, um, I haven't really looked at it this way, but um, if you look at like our childhood and then where we are now, technology is just on this fucking massive trajectory like it's got like the curve of technology has been amazing um how do you think that technology has affected our work-life balance um and if so has it done that for you has it affected your relationships um being able to yeah run your business off this little thing here the phone um yeah it's amazing how far technology has come. I pretty much run my business off my phone as it is. Like the fact that we can do that with just a device that's this big is unreal. Um, but I think a trap that I definitely fell into and I know a lot of other men fall into is that we end up spending all day on it. Yeah. Even if it's not for work, you know, these things are so addictive that we're just constantly looking at them even if it's not for productive reasons. And I was one of the people that fell into that trap. You know, I, I was having eight, nine, ten hours worth of just like screen time at the end of the day. And it's like 10 hours of a day looking at a rectangle. It's ridiculous if you think about it in that sort of way. Yeah, man. And for me, something that's definitely helped is in the last six months, I've deleted all of my social media. So for me, it's like trying my best to just separate my personal life from my phone. Yeah like using it purely for work purposes and then, you know, talking to people here and there. Yeah, man. Uh, that's really interesting, man, because as a gym owner, um, some people would tell you that you have to have social media. Yeah, you have to be on there to run a gym and the marketing, all that kind of stuff. How are you finding business with you not being on um, social media the past six months? So I still have all of the businesses, social yep. medias, but – it's like, you know, I'm not going to go onto the business's Instagram and post a shirtless <laughs> photo of me at the gym on the story. I'm not going to do that. So it's like, you know, the only reason I use social media now is yes. for business. Whereas before it's like, you know, I'd have my personal account, my business account. I'd do all my business. I'd flick over to my personal and then I'd just go down this little rabbit hole on Instagram where I'd just start doom scrolling for three, four, five hours. And then I'd look back and it's like, wait, where's the day gone? I've still got so many things I need to do and I've just got trapped by this. Yeah, man. So being able to eliminate that has been huge. Yeah. We're talking about like the surrounding ourselves with the caliber of people um, that, are, that are where we want to be going. As a dear brother of mine, he's a serial entrepreneur. His name is Monty Hook. He's one of my best men or groomsmen at my wedding. And a few years older than me and just really, really successful in business. And as I made this leap from construction to men's work and becoming a coach, He's like, bro, I want to give you some advice. Um, take it for a grain of salt, but I just really, really want to um, 
help you so you don't get lost with that doom scroll and that kind of stuff. He's like, if you can be and show up just authentically as yourself, um, and if you're like as as the man that you are, and try not to pretend to be anyone that you're not. Just speak real, open, raw discussions on your social media, and just be yourself. Um, you're not going to have this juxtaposition of like, oh, I'm doing this identity persona of like this man, the father. Oh, and this is him in business. Try and make that the one man. And it was a beautiful thing, man, because. I was getting a lot of mixed reports from people like, oh, no, you've got to do this kind of marketing. You've got to do that. It's like, man, it was fucking exhausting. And just to be myself and real, that way, and just to be authentic and, and be open about my challenges and what I was dealing with, I was able to really utilize um, social media. And it was really interesting because I was against it, man. I was totally against all technology. Um, I used to see my sisters doing the duck base and taking selfies and I'd do like 20 different shots to get the right shot and then put filters on it. I was like, fuck, man, Steve Jobs, he's, he's like, fuck the world, man. Like this, the, the, I think it was the Mayan said in 2012, the world was going to die or the universe is going to die or something like that. Um, and I really feel like that 2012 was when all of this social media and selfies and everything really took off. And so I think the minds predicted something. Re- and I think that, that 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 era changed around that time. So I had an old flip phone and Nokia 3210, all that. And I was one of the last of my mates to ever get an iPhone. I remember um, it was Preston Smiles, my first mentor. Um, I was talking to him about this in a, um, in a uh, personal development workshop called The Bridge. Um, and he's like, oh, there's this challenge to use social media. I'm like, I don't have it. And it was really interesting too. I'd go out, I was single at the time and I was going out meeting people and women would ask, oh, oh hey, what's your Instagram? What's your Facebook? Like, I don't have it. And everyone thought I was lying. No one believed that I did actually have social media because it was like taboo. Like I don't drink. It was like, oh, what What do you mean you don't drink? Like it was like, yeah, it was, it was different. But yeah, he challenged me. He's like, man, you've got a big voice, you've got a big heart. And like I and the reason I got on social media was because it was feeding my jealousy. I was really insecure um, about eight, ten years ago. And so yeah, I removed the thing that was feeding jealousy so I could work on it. Uh, but he's like, man, you could use this as a tool and then rather than getting succumbing to it. Then there was this um uh there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Um, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. one, man. Is the, so the viewers, if you haven't seen it, it's um, that was a listener story. The yeah, the social dilemma is um, all of the these marketing people, all these people behind so, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, all this kind of stuff, and they um, they're whistleblowers. So they're part of the companies, um, and they all of these companies all had really beautiful intentions at the start. All these social media companies. And then it turned dark really fast because we, the humans, became the product. Uh, and so they worked with psychologists in the marketing teams for us to get addicted to these things. Like what you're saying, man, that addiction. And I remember the first, when I watched that, someone told me to watch this. I was like, oh, man, I wonder how addicted to this thing I am. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to turn my phone off for 72 hours and just see how I go. The first hour... I, I remember we're, out, we're outside at home, wifey was there. I'm like, cool, I'm going to do it. So I put my phone in the office, which was at the back, and we're in the backyard. 12 times in the first hour, I went up to go check my phone. And, I, and like, I'm like, what am I doing? And in those 12 times, I was checking uh, the, what the, the unconscious patterning was 
I wanted to see if I, anyone had messaged me, any of my clients. Couple of times, I just got up to have a scroll to see what was happening. And here I am playing with my kids and my wife. I'm like, whoa, there's something in this. And it wasn't until about 40 hours in that I actually forgot about my phone. It took me that long. I was like so tapped into that. Um, and it's really interesting because I remember saying to mum, I'm like, every couple of months, I'm going to switch my phone for 72 hours. Oh, and I remember mum's like, how are people going to get in contact with you? And it's like, well, they, they won't. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yeah, they won't. And so it was really interesting too, talking to some people because I was a coach. They're like, you can't do that, man. What about your clients? And so I figured out a way. And so I'd love to give you guys an example of this. And if anyone wants to try this, I highly recommend switching your phone off for 72 hours, even if you're a business owner. And so, yeah, I just tell my clients, my one-on-one clients, hey, guys, I'm doing my thing. I'm going to go off, off grid for 72 hours. Um, here's my wife's number. If there's a 911, like, make sure, uh, just reach out to her. Uh, men, don't send her any dick pics. And, um, <laughs> and then I'd message my mum and the people that were really close to me and important I was like, hey, I'm out of action for 72 hours. Like my wife, you can get through my wife to contact me. And man, it was just so refreshing and rejuvenating just to see life through this lens of presence rather than always caught up in this go, 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 do, do, do. Did I ever get you to do that challenge, bro? No, but I I had done it every single time I did the three-day retreats. And I think I did three or four of them and it was like every single time it was like message everyone that or all the people close to me and say <laughs> see you in three days pretty yeah. much and then no one would just know why and then you'd have hit you'd come back and you'd have 50 messages and everyone's wondering what happened to you it's just like well i just i didn't have my phone <laughs> yeah and people just struggle to believe that yep and so you tell people i just was taking three days off my phone and there's three days are you insane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. People find it hard to believe. The, um, the other thing that I've found too with this thing, this phone, this amazing piece of technology is the, um, um, it was, it's been amazing with the business, but how it's like uh, clogged up the work-life balance is then now this thing's in my pocket and then it comes into yeah. my home life. And so then it's like now work's coming back with me. And so a big thing in my relationship with my wife um, and working with, with we've um, had relationship counselors and, and relationship coaches, there was a big thing about me always being on my phone. And the way that I justified it, it was, oh, I, I was working, I'm doing all this work for the family, I'm grinding. And it was just this anxiety and this uh, identity that I'd um, put it within my coaching business that I was always on time and I was just replying to people, I was always there. And what it just was, it was, um, I was unable to actually sustain that. It was unsustainable to be that kind of, kind of man, uh, to always be on top of all of that. And so, yeah, there was times that like for us, then it got, I remember the first, the first time this, uh, our Eliza, our relationship counselor, she said, um, cool. Well, I want you to pick a three hour window where you don't have a phone. I like, Fuck, <laughs> wife is just had it. I think like we had our second child. Minnie had stopped working. I was a sole provider. I'm like, fuck, three hours in a day. Whoa. And so I chose that 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And it was just interesting because like that's a pretty good window to not be working and like, make dinner and be present with the kids. But just how much anxiety I placed upon myself that I had to be there. Um, but yeah, it was 
in with that commitment, I had to put my phone into a lunchbox, into a pantry. And like, so I had to go through three checks just so I couldn't pick my phone up, man. That's how addicted I was to it. Yeah, man. It was crazy, bro. Like my phone pretty much lives on do not disturb Mm -hmm. now. Um, I, I've always told it's, it's really funny in my age demographic, especially you'll take a couple of hours to message someone or they'll take a couple of hours to message you back. And I see it all the time. They go, sorry, it took me so long to message you. And I'm just like, what are you sorry yeah. for? Well, you know, we're all adults. We've all got things going on. I figured you'd just message me back when you had time, but everyone's caught up in this. We have to message back straight away, otherwise it's rude. And I'm just like, no, it's not nah, rude. Man. <laughs> we're just hundred percent, bro. The um, the like my mum's generation, and um, like that generation, um, it was like that, like this reply straight away. Someone rings, you answer straight away, and because I my phone's on silent, man. Like it's always on silent. And one of the biggest tools that I've got for work life balance is to ensure that my phone is on silent. And like, and that way, and all the, the notification, I don't get any notifications either. So, like, because for me, being a perfectionist with a bit of OCD, if I saw 15 messages on um, on Messenger, 20 notifications on Facebook and what and Instagram, I'd look at them. Oh, I just want to get them all down to zero. I'm not going to be comfortable until all to zero. So I had to turn them all off. I, like, literally, had to turn them all off and put my phone on silent. And it jacked so many people that were close to me, man. It's like, um, oh, I tried to ring you. Like, yeah, cool. Um, I was with my family. Like, I, I, my phone's always on silent. And it's interesting how it can jack some people, man. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, and so did you say that your generation's like that as well? Yep. Yeah, very much so. Like, you know, me personally, I, I just reply when I reply. I don't apologize or anything like that because I understand that everyone's got things going on. But... I see it, especially when like a lot of my female friends will message me back. They're like, oh, sorry, I took so long to reply. I was getting my hair done. It's like, you were getting your hair done. <laughs> I understand that you can't reply when you're getting your hair done. That's, that's okay. But, you know, caught up in this preconceived idea that it's like if I wait any longer than 10 minutes, then it's considered rude. But it's like, that's just not how it is. Yeah, but that word, sorry, it- I think it's just like there's so many people throw out the word sorry these days as just like there's there's no backbone behind it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, are you really sorry or are you just saying that? And then so there's one like people that say sorry, then there's no – you can't you feel the energy behind it that there's, they're not sorry. They're just saying it's a space filler. But then the other time, like you just said, like people saying sorry and then justifying and I was doing this and that and, that, and they're feeling guilty – for taking time for themselves, and yeah, it's a really interesting word that sorry one. The um, um, so with that that uh, with that word sorry, so becoming a dad, um, one of the things that and this came from a business mentor of mine, Kerwin Ray, and so yeah, becoming a father, um, and this has been something within our men's teams that most men laugh at, and can resonate with that have kids is we'll see that like okay i've got to get the kids to school at nine o'clock at 10 to nine oh we've got to leave at nine o'clock at 10 to nine that's when they start wanting to play with us and wanting our attention and like we're trying to get our shoes on get the shoes on get them at the door this is when all this like fatherhood resentment kicks up 
And yeah, Kerwin Ray, he put this video up. It was amazing. And he was talking about his boy wanting to play with him and he knew he had to get in the office. And, and what he did was he asked himself, do I want to be known at the end of my life that the man that was always on time um, to get to work? Or do I want to be known as the dad who was present with my kids? And that work-life balance, man, it, and just hearing that was just like, oh, man, I don't give a fuck about being on time for work. Yes, I'm integral with my time, but what's a more of a priority is that those kids, man, feel my presence and that they are number one, that they are chosen over, um, over work. And it was the very next day that um, – uh, the very next day after watching that video, getting the kids, trying to get in the kindy, and I was just teaching Bradley how to ride a bike for the first time. And he's like, Dad, 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 can we ride the bike? And I, went, I said no at the start. I said, no, man, we've got to get the kindy. And I remember this video, oh, come on, dude, let's go. And it was the first, in that moment, he rode his bike for the very first time without me. And just the look of him, how proud he was that we did that. And he talks about that for the he's talked about for the last couple of years, man. And it literally took one pocket of time, man. It was only 15 minutes. And yes, that 15 minutes, it bumped my calendar, like the whole day, all the schedules. But I just talked openly to every single person. I was like, hey man, I'm sorry that I'm late. Um, like, oh, thank you for waiting. Uh, I just yeah, need to spend some time. I spent some time with my kids this morning and she's bumped, da da da. And everyone's like, oh man, that's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. And we've got to have a talk about this discussion with Kerwin. Um, is there any hacks, man, that you know that help you navigate work-life balance? Um, well, I feel like being able to do everything as efficiently as possible and finding the most efficient route is definitely something that's helped me, and that's just trial and error. You know, everyone can do everything a little bit quicker if you really put your mind to it. And you know, I feel like... In terms of hacks, there's not really any I can give, but for me, it's all about your mindset. You know, the mindset that you go into it is the mindset you're going to go out of it with. So if you go into it that positive mindset of, okay, this is how I'm going to structure my work-life balance, this is how I'm going to live my life, these are my values that I'm going to uphold to, anything outside of these, I'm not even looking at. I'm not going to give any energy to. And then being able to have that mindset there, it just sets you up for a very particular work-life balance that's leading towards your vision and your, you know, your everything that's in your life in that sort of sense. Yeah, man. One of the things that has like, and this is a, it, it seems like a tangent, but it's so on point is like the work-life balance. I remember one of my mentors saying to me, what do you need to give up in order to be successful? It's like, oh, what do I need to give up in order to be successful? I just stepped into coaching. I just stepped into fatherhood. Uh, I was in with my wife for maybe three, four years in, the longest I've been in a relationship. So I was in this uncharted territory, and it just seemed like everything was going really well. And I'm like, what do I need to give up? And I started to look at like what you're saying, man, about efficiency. And I remember at the time I was still drinking, and so I was still drinking alcohol. And I'm like, man, if I removed alcohol. I would be waking up and it wouldn't take me like a couple of hours to get going. I wouldn't be wasting days. Uh, I'll be way more productive. Um, I'd have more money. And it's just like, man, I actually need to give up alcohol. And for me, one of the biggest things to, um, 
to have the most fulfilling work-life balance for me was to remove that thing that was like blocking my success. And for me, it was alcohol um, to remove to remove that. Um, and because I, why I say this, and I'm not telling everyone like everything in moderation, like I'm not on the bandwagon about everyone's going to be sober. I just know that alcohol is a demon for me if I don't have any boundaries uh, upon that. Though um, the men that I talk to about like, they're like, oh man, like the work-life balance, I get home, I'm just exhausted. But these men are like, I, I don't have time for the kids. I just don't have the energy. But all, a lot of these men are drinking. And it's like, bro, just try for 30 days, bro. Go sober for 30 days. No beers after work and see if you get your energy back. And after 30 days, like, oh, bro, I'm going to do this for three months. Oh, bro, I'm going to do this for six months. Oh, man, I'm going to do this for another, like, I've done six. I might as well do a year. And it's been the best thing. Um, it's really interesting, too. I was, we were joking about this the other day that I've never heard a person say they've gone sober and regretted it. Have you ever heard? Yeah, that's <laughs> Um, is there any other advice that you'd like to give uh, people around like work-life balance? So yeah, efficiency. Uh, what are the things that we could give up in order to be successful? Um, making some structure and having some structure for your day, for your time. Uh, with, um, yeah, is there anything else, man, that you feel would be beneficial? I think something that actually I learned from you that has been a major part, especially when I was in my relationship, is separating your working self from your loving family yes so being able to have that grounding and separation and disconnect from work to come home as that loving masculine presence was huge yes because until i learned that from you i was just coming straight home from work and it's like you know my partner would ask me to do something i'd just i'd snap because it's like I was still in work mode and it's like I hadn't taken that time to calm down and being that loving person that I knew that I was. So. Yes. Beautiful. So love for the listeners if uh, you like this amazing hack. And so we teach this inside the Mind for Gym HQ and anyone that walks in our vortex. And so it's about breaking our estate. So what Kieran's talking about is when we men go to work, we're warriors. We get shit done. We go, 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 do, 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 get our grid on and we're – um, problem solving and she's like very very masculine what we call warrior energy now if we don't break that state we're going to go home still in that jacked up masculine and the way to describe this when we teach it is like that jacked up warrior is like the man uh, like that uh, the gladiator or the the warrior that we see in the in the movie 300 like that sparta this is Sparta, that that dude now that kind of dude when we're like that, we want to come home and we want the grapes out. We want to be celebrated. You've killed the lion and you've saved the family and thank you so much for providing. But we don't get that. We walk in the door and then wifey's like, hey, can you like help with the kids and get uh, um, the baths going and wash the kids and dinner's on? And we go into the house, the running of the household. And what happens is we, we yeah, that resentment can build up and that disconnect can happen. And so what we need to do as men is break our state. Now, another thing is that a lot of the time um, for the working man is that this breaking of the state may be the very first time that you do something for yourself through the day. So a lot of the time men get up, um, and they make, maybe make a cup of tea, a coffee, have some quick brekkie, and they're out the door going to work. And th- that work is providing for the family. Uh, and then they come straight home, you know, this is me, straight home to the partner and just helping out with that thing, that people pleaser. 
And it's not until that night that they're sitting down, maybe watching some TV or reading a book, that they're finally doing something for themselves out of all of those hours of the day. And so what we teach is just taking that one pocket of time when you finish work to break your state. Now, what we uh, invite men to do is take off the armor. So whatever uniform you're wearing, whatever clothes you have on, literally get out of them and put something that um, you're comfortable in. I know for me and you, bro, it's no shirt and boardies. That's how we roll. Um, and get nice and comfortable, no shoes. And there's a big thing is like take shoes off too. And so there's a, I won't get into the science of grounding, but taking shoes off and then allow Mother Nature, Mother Earth, to then hold you just to get in that lover energy. And so for 15 minutes, just go into nature, um, and watch a sunset, put your feet in the ocean, put your feet into a creek, walk on the grass, sit on a hill, go in a park, but just go somewhere that there is nature around you and literally sit and watch. No phone, no journal, no um, no watch. Just, just sit there and literally just be and just allow yourself to be in the awe and the wonderment of this this world or this life in front of us and then go home. And man, it's a game changer. And even wifey, because I, I work from home, wifey, if I don't break my state, um, she'll say to me, oh, have you done your break? Break your state, go go ground and come back. Like, get out of here. You, you're useless to me when you're like this. Just go. And so yeah, I'll go for a drive, come back, and just completely decompressed. Uh, yeah, beautiful man. That's, yeah, that that is really really important. Um, is there any other ones, man? I feel there may be a couple more. Any other like um, piece um, of advice to uh, navigate work life balance? You know, most of it, in my opinion, is going to come back down to your values. Like, you know, most people on the weekends they will spend the weekend going out and celebrating the fact that they made it to the weekend. And then it's like your two days that you had that you weren't working, you didn't uphold to your values and you've just wasted them. And then we go back into the rat race of work on Monday, all waiting for the next weekend to just go out and do it all over again. And we've gone this massive repetitive cycle of just work, go out, work, go out, work, go out. I know I was stuck in it for many years. And, you know, once I discovered my values, it's like, or going out, that doesn't that doesn't bring me pride, that doesn't bring me abundance. Like all these things that I hold quite highly to myself, you can just look and say, well, this doesn't uphold any of these. So then you can just cut it from out from your life. And, you know, when you've got two extra days free, that's 48 hours and, what, 192 pockets Burn, of time? there he is. Yes, it is. Yep, 192 pockets of time. Like when you set it out like that, there is so much time that you have that you can spend with your family, your partner, to, for yourself. But instead, people just go out, get on the piss, have an awesome night, go to the kebab shop at 3 a.m. and then call it. Yeah, man. It's it's interesting. When I first teach men the pockets of time, there's so many men like, dude, this is like so overwhelming. I don't want to structure my whole day and time. And like, it just seems really like, like it's going to be too much. It's overwhelming. It's like, just take the time to actually sit down and just plug your life in of where you're spending your time right now. And what it is, it allows you to manage exactly where you're placing that time and energy. Now, a lot of us men try and juggle fucking way too much. There's so much on our plate. We said yes to everything where we needed to say no. And we can, when you plug your life into like a, a calendar like that, like the pox of time, um, that's when you get to see and go run it through your values. Like, is this an alarm with my values? And the other thing I'd like to offer is like knowing what your vision is, like what is that thing that you're working towards? Like if you're stuck in, that, stuck in the rat race of 
just going to work and then partying the weekend. Like, what are you actually trying to achieve? Like, are you trying to, what are you trying to squeeze out of this life? And that I feel, and this was for me, when I was caught in that rat race, I just felt so lost, so lost. And the reason I was caught in that rat race is like with you, man, you had the abandonment stuff. For me, it was the same thing, man. There was a lot of like inner conflict that I had that all of that partying was masking. I was just like, I couldn't be alone. I just wanted to be around people. When I was alone, I was super fucking depressed. And majority of the time when I was alone, I was coming down hard of gear. And so it was just like really, really lonely time. And so I really had to start looking and asking those bigger questions. Like, what kind of life do I want to have? Like, what, what do I want to do? And just for the listeners, if you're in that position right now, it's like, I don't know. Like, where do I start? Just, I want you to like literally celebrate yourself for being in this conversation because there's like millions and millions and millions of people on this planet with their head buried, uh, yeah, their heads buried in the sand and they aren't going to put their head up and question their existence and question life and ask, is there, is, is there more to this life than this groundhog day or this rat race or this hamster wheel that I'm involved in? So if you're asking yourself like, what is my purpose on this planet? What is, what is it that I want to do? It's amazing because you now have a reference point go fucking go try shit go try things on to figure out what it is why you're here because we every single person every individual is here to do something magical that only each individual can do so kieran the thing and the magic you're giving to the world i can't do on you can and like vice versa yeah Yeah, man yeah beautiful bro yeah i feel like i feel like a lot of people get stuck in a state of comfortability especially you know when you've got you know your fathers that are middle-aged they earn enough money to support their family. They don't really like their job. They don't really spend enough time with their kids. Their partner sometimes sees them. Like their life's okay, but it's not great. And they're stuck in this state of comfortability. And, you know, the the question I want to present to everyone is if you're on your deathbed, would you rather be known as the guy that took risks and has all these awesome stories to tell his grandkids or his children or his great-grandkids, depending how long you make it, or would you rather be known as the grandfather that just did the same thing every single day? Yeah, man. So. Yeah, sit with that. Yeah, 100%. The, um, the other aspect too is like that's a beautiful thing to sit with. And the one that I'd like to offer was um, like coming into business and coming into like purpose and vision. A mentor said to me, uh, this quote that there's no traffic on the extra mile. And so like that was he talking about. It's like, you can be like every other fucking coach out there, bro. You can just be comfortable, but like there's no traffic on the extra mile. What's something that nobody's doing? How, like how can you show up? What What is that extra mile that you could be doing? Now, this isn't going against the work-life balance, but it's like thinking outside of the box, being creative. Like how can I like be uh, go that extra mile and then because there's no traffic on there man it's cruising because there's like only certain amount of people that want to play at that caliber at that level um yeah man the other thing i just want to highlight and this is everything that we've been saying is the um just knowing our priorities with that work-life balance and that all like you said coming down to your values um but yeah for like for me just knowing that spirituality and health and like you that had to come before my relationships 
that was a big lesson. That was only like recently, in the, like in the past seven years, that I realized that. Um, but then, yeah, uh, with that work-life balance, like what is your priority? Um, and, and putting them in a sequential order um, and maybe sometimes they're side by side. Um, and then the other thing too, and this is something that you've said as well, man, is just realizing that um, everything isn't finite and to be flexible. And so now I just want to drop a, a, like a, a spanner and everything because sometimes balance is detrimental because life isn't black and white and life isn't like trying to balance a seesaw. And a lot of the time that we get caught in trying to have the work-life balance and juggling our family and our health and all that kind of stuff, it can be fucking exhausting because all of these seesaws we're trying to gel, uh, like balance with our work and our life and we can just be exhausting. And so what I love to have is harmony, harmony with life, harmony with my work and knowing that there's swings and there's roundabouts and there's some days that are going to be having to work 10 hours but there's some days that I get to have off and just knowing that there's ebbs and flows and with that harmony, also putting some structure within that, like, cool, I'm going to go hard for the next two weeks. So I'm going to dedicate like really hard with my business for 30 days, knowing that at the end of it, I'm going to do that. But just having some tangible timeframes and then having some like, cool, like finite dates locked in with some stuff. I think that also has been really beneficial as well. Otherwise, it's like, oh, yeah, like I, I see men do this with FIFO. I'm going to go out west. I'm going to go FIFO. Um, and set us up family up three four years later they're still out there and it's like dude what, how, how much money do you fucking need like is this really what you want to yeah. do bro like and a lot of time they've just created a more uh expenses for himself that they're trapped out there um and so yeah having a plan having a vision um and yeah man is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with um, I think something for the fathers, especially, you know, we get caught up, or we, you, get caught up in, you know, this massive struggle of work-life balance. And I think a common thing that a lot of fathers think is that you have to do these massive gestures of love for your children to show that you love them. But in reality, if you've had a massive day at work, just go tuck your kid into bed at night. That is enough. Like, I feel like... We have this preconceived idea that we need to be doing these big, robustious things for our children to show that we love them when in reality we just got to be present. So taking five, ten minutes each day just to be with them is 100%, huge. man. That was the something that um, uh, becoming a father, I thought I had to be 100% present all the time with my kids. Um, and then we did like conscious parenting courses and stuff and it's only like 30% of the time. So 30% of the time that we're with the kids, like if like yeah, to be present with them and just give them that uh, that attention, that presence. And like you're saying, man, it doesn't have to be anything, man. The kids like like that thing, kids remember the feeling of it. How that how how they, how they felt. And so if they felt seen and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing too, man, is um, the I just want to mention is to to have Work-life balance, we also need to, um, with that break in the state, is like leave work at work. And so, um, and a lot of the time when we don't have structure in place, we don't have a plan in place, we don't know where we're going, we don't know our direction, we don't have our moral compass or our values locked and loaded, then especially as business, business owners or even um, I, I was, uh, before I owned a business and I was a, a, a supervisor in construction and I didn't have all that stuff mapped out, 
when I was at home, my mind was constantly fucking going, man, trying to problem solve it because I didn't have all of the structure and the comfortability in the structure behind me um, that I was bringing my home at work. And then next thing, partners and wifey was like, you're not present, like you're not here. I'm like, I am here. But the feminine can pick up on energy. The physical body might not might be there, but the actual energetic behind it is not there. And so, yeah, that was a, a big lesson for me, man, about, yeah, just leaving work at work. And then the only way I was able to do that was having really good efficiency with structure and having that in place. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, young blood, so good to, to have you here, man. Um, it's been awesome to Good witness pleasure. your journey bro yeah. um, how many times did you do blokes venture i did the three day either three or four yep. times and i think i did four one there we go um yeah man as a young man and this is yeah it, it's really really inspiring bro to see um the commitment that you have to yourself the responsibility that you have for yourself and um yeah man finding personal development find men's work at such a young age uh, it's really beautiful, man, and it's been super refreshing for me to see how a young man can do that, especially having two young boys myself. Uh, that I know it's possible. I've witnessed it with you, and there's a couple other young men that are like yourself that are, um, yeah, man, that are crushing it, that are very got level-headed, man, and um, and they're putting their hand up and having mentorship, and it's, yeah, it's, it's paying tenfold for you, bro. So uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being raw and vulnerable as always. Thank you for um, and so, guys, the listeners, we always talk about footprints and leaving footprints behind. And uh, because we're all in this journey together of navigating life, and it can be challenging work life balance and navigating fatherhood and fatherhood guilt and connection and choosing ourselves. So, I'm not taking time out for ourselves. So, if this podcast has resonated with you, and we always ask on whatever platform that it is, like leave a comment of what resonated for you um, because those comments and footprints are going to allow other people to resonate with your story and your journey. Um, and like you said, man, also is um, someone's always done it before us as well. And so there's going to be, um, yeah, we're all in this journey together. We're all here to help each other walk this path and be the best versions of ourselves we can be, be the best man, the best woman, the best parents, the best humans. I think ultimately that's all we're going to be. You just be good humans. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, guys, thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for this podcast, my brother, and much love. Thank you, Peace. sir.